0: Hello and welcome to the Smart Podcast, offering you mentorship when and where you need it. I'm Megan Hooper, BeSmart's founder, and I'm so excited you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you find the insights and inspiration help you accomplish all of your personal and professional goals. Women represent half the population and half the U.S. labor force but only 25% of senior managers, 10% of top earners, and 6% of senior executives. We aim to change those numbers through you, the listener. So let's get started. Are you plagued by thoughts of inadequacy or how to achieve more? Do you feel stress and anxiety throughout your body? By simply becoming aware of your thoughts, feelings, and physical sensations, you transition from a victim mindset to your true power source, your inner wisdom. And that is the practice of mindfulness. Join me and my good friend and comedy writing partner, Reed Rickards, and intern extraordinaire, Zoe Kaplan, as we discuss how you can step into your right brain's gifts of instinct and intuition to be the integrated leader you are meant to be.
1: So today we are speaking about mindfulness, and I'm excited for this one as a Oprah mystic. I'm hoping for a lot of aha moments. Is that what we have in store for our listeners, Megan? What do you think?
0: I don't know. Are we calling Oprah a mystic? <laughs> Which Absolutely. She, well, yeah, I, ag- I affirm that. I just wanted to clarify.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, I feel like she's just one step away from being an official guru. I would put up a portrait of Oprah in my bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure she's done a miracle and we can call her a saint. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I would agree. I mean, making great daytime TV these days is definitely a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> <I agree. laughs> I'm curious, Zoe, you know, we usually with each episode kind of start off with what is in the, um, the, the Be Smart uh, packet, if you will, uh, on these different core values. But I'm curious, just first impressions, Zoe, I know you're familiar with what Be Smart says about b- mindfulness, but kind of wanted to hear what your relationship is with mindfulness to start off with.
2: Yeah, um, thank you for that. I think mindfulness is something I always imagined as kind of, I feel like it's a pretty stereotypical image, like someone meditating and it's very quiet and you're you know, thinking about nothing and just kind of letting everything pass you and you're very present in the moment. Um, And there is definitely some in that, in my relationship with mindfulness now. But I think I've learned how mindfulness can be used even when you're with other people, Um, even if you're in a really busy situation, because it is about being present. Um, My mom talks a lot about mindfulness in terms of empathy and others' emotions. You need to be mindful of yourself and how you're acting and how you come into a situation, and then also how other people are reacting around you. Um, And that's how you kind of practice good caregiving, good relationships with others, just empathy in general. So I think my relationship with mindfulness has kind of evolved from like, The very stereotypical like let me do some yoga and listen to music to let me think about myself in this moment as well as others
1: for sure i mean i'm original uh, not originally but my before i got into (laughs) meditation apps and super soul sunday sessions i mean you know there's mind the gap there's be mindful Mm. of this be mindful of that so it's nice to kind of take this concept and circle around it and see all the different angles. I think my first interaction with mindfulness was when I was really struggling with symptoms of anxiety and um, really not being able to kind of come down from that. And my therapist at the time told me a great tool was just to kind of observe what I'm doing and what's around me. You know, I'm sitting in a chair, I feel cool. My skin feels cool. I feel a little bit, you know, cold. I, I could use a jacket, just becoming aware, getting outside of your mind, which is kind of funny, but <laughs> minding what's around you. And I think that ties into what your mom said, Zoe, about minding others as well. So I don't know. I think maybe some critics are skeptics of, you know, this new, new wave of spiritualism might would view it as a little bit um, selfish or self-centered, mm-hmm. you know, being really about your own state and your own mind. But really, I like that we started off this conversation with, honest, with your mom's advice, which is minding others and being mindful of others. So I, I really am curious, always curious to hear what people's initial um, relationships with these ideas are before we get into, you know, the more thought out um, and considered uh, ideas. But Megan, I'd be curious what your, before you even wrote these notes down for Be Smart, what your initial relationship or initial thoughts on mindfulness were.
0: Well, I agree that Zoe's mother hit the nail on the head when she said, be mindful of others, um, because what she was saying was become aware of your thoughts and behaviors and actions, become aware of how you're treating people, become aware of what you're thinking. Um, And mindfulness is that that process. It's becoming aware of your thoughts and what you're doing in that moment, when you're no longer absorbed in your mind and thoughts, you become the person, the awareness of those thoughts. And that awareness, that consciousness, is your true essence. It's the face you had before you were born. It's the face you'll have after you die. It is your everlasting essence. It's the stardust that comes from the greater star. It is who you are. And that's such freedom. Knowing that, that is the path and the freedom to to liberation because your thoughts are subjective. Your Thoughts are subjective to your interpretation of reality, to how you've been raised, how you interpret your external circumstances. So to answer your question, read what was my relationship with mindfulness before I wrote this piece? Um, well, I really was someone who identified deeply with their thoughts. I was a thinker, an over-talker, over Everything I thought I identified with and I was in a lot of pain from that. Because my, you know, thoughts go up and down. I'm a Virgo and I'm never perfect enough. And so as soon as I began to indulge in the awareness of those thoughts and to separate from that and to experience the freedom of that who I am exists regardless of that subjective thought, I, I started to taste freedom and I'm learning to do that more and more. And so mindfulness is very important as a leader because when you become aware of your thoughts and when you are no longer so identified with your thoughts, you, um, you are able to tap into your gut, the intuitive part of yourself, the instinctual part of yourself, the right brain, the creative side that is nurtured through the arts and pleasure and play. Um, and that really is where your inspiration and genius lives. The left side of the brain that is so well cultivated in our culture. Is meant to execute that inspiration and that genius. So everyone is a genius and that lives in that right side, intuitive, instinctual self um, that we call the heart, we call the gut, we call the solar plexus listening from these um, heart centers and chakra centers, whatever you want to call it. It's very important. You've heard many businessmen say, I lead from my gut. I make decisions by listening to my gut. What does that mean? Um, You've also heard successful businessmen, the, the founder of Whole Foods, the founder of LinkedIn and Starbucks say, I lead with my heart. I open my heart. What does that mean? Those are all intuitive and instinctual aspects of ourself. It is a right brain. It is a physical sensation. And that is the type of leadership we need along with our analytical brain. So We can't be inspired leaders if we're absorbed in our thoughts and we think every thought we have is true and accurate because it's just not.
2: How do you, Megan, when you're talking about the gut and kind of, you know, leading with your gut, how does, how do you start doing that practice? Um, Like I think you were saying, and I think in the content, it's talking about how that starts with being, you know, aware of your body and being present of that. Do you have any techniques for like starting if I'm like, okay, I need to get out of my head and into more of my gut or my heart. Do you have any recommendations for how to do that?
0: Sure. Um, And so what we say in this content is that your, your gut, which lives in the pelvis uh, tells you what, what you need. It's sort of a self guided intuition and the heart, which lives a little bit higher tells you what others around you need. Um, And you can listen to both of those things, but we touched on this in our empowerment content that all of, these processes have a physical um, and emotional and, and mental um, experience. So I think the easiest way to tap into your gut and your instinct is physical. So the the, the key, the number one key, if you are writing a paper, a thesis on Shakespeare and mm-hmm. roles women play, if you're boarding a plane to France or if you're you know running a business while mining Minding a toddler like I am, um, relaxation is the key. Is your throat tense? Is your chest tight? Is your stomach tense? The degree to which you can physically relax your body opens up a sort of portal or gateway to be able to experience that right brain intuition, to get in the playing mode, the childlike playing mode. So if you stop and relax, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute, my stomach's really tense, or I'm not breathing, or I feel some tension here. Um, relaxation, um, enjoyment, enthusiasm, all of those things are interconnected. So I think a real easy physical way is to to relax as deeply as possible. Um, I think joy, tapping into your joy what am I, what really brings me joy in this moment to Marie Kondo, your life. Mm. Um, That helps us all get back into that mode we had when we were children, where we were fascinated to stare at a tree for an hour and we enjoyed that. Um, That's allowing ourselves time and space to be free and to not have thoughts running through our brain is where the instinct and intuition can be heard and speaks um read i'm I'm wondering you're an artist you're a writer um and you are also someone who is a thinker so you can be plagued by your thoughts yeah how do you tame the beast
1: oh my gosh i mean well first of all i my relationship with this topic and this conversation has changed uh significantly over time and I've struggled with OCD-like symptoms in the past. I'm kind of leery of identifying as anything, as a severely anxious person or you know a depressed person. I think these are universal experiences, but I will say that I've had intense um, seasons of going through OCD-like symptoms, of really not being able to put thoughts in particular um, down or away. There's actually a term for it called pure O, OCD, um, that I spoke to a therapist extensively about where it's essentially just the obsessions and less so the compulsions Which is almost a nightmare because the whole concept of OCD is that these compulsions while unhealthy at least bring a little bit of, um, of Relief in the moment. It's the scratching of the itch. So imagine Just the itch the permanent itch and they're not even really being a compulsion that helps sure there are a few but all that to say I, that my relationship with this idea of really letting thoughts go and not identifying with them—it's um, been a huge process for me. Um, and also, I feel like I, reading this piece, Megan, that you wrote for Be Smart. You know, there's a lot about um, inner authority um, and growing up very um, in a very religious environment i was always kind of looking outward for authority figures um and it took me a while to realize that as someone as a person of faith um you can still adhere to and respect um an outward authority perhaps or an authority in your life or certain um beliefs or principles but that also is inside of you um you respect those principles and you have something that you adhere to, but that's all through yourself. And for me, um, I've been really trying to find that um, inner authority and to trust myself. I think that's something that can be very difficult. I would imagine um, for women in particular, um, in a culture that says you need a man or an authority figure, a father-like figure to look out for you, learning to be able to trust yourself um, for me has been very difficult and not in a way of, I can do, oh, I can do everything myself, but knowing, um, the universe does have your back, the universe, God, um, humanity does have your back at the end of the day. I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit there, but I think those two things tie together as far as, um, being able to really let go of, um, unhealthy thought patterns and really becoming more, mindful. Um, I think that word, uh, that concept of inner authority is a key there.
2: What's exciting about that to me, um, when you're talking about these thought patterns, and Megan, you were mentioning this earlier, is not becoming attached to them. I think my issue has always been, I'm so upset about having these thoughts in the first place, and then I'll get down on myself being like, why am I thinking so negatively? Why do I get so anxious about this? Why do I assume that the worst is going to happen? All this, you know, it's coming from me. And I think kind of letting go of that and being like, well, you know, I don't want to have these thoughts, but even if I do, it doesn't mean that I have to attach myself to them and create my sense of being around them. Um, I really like the idea of being able to understand your thoughts and then choose which ones you want to believe in or follow through with.
1: Absolutely. I just read Eat, Pray, Love for the first time and that character, that man, Richard from Texas, I'm sure a lot of people know the book and the, the part I'm talking about, but he says something he uh, advises and um, counsels Liz Gilbert to choose her thoughts like she would her outfit for the day, mm-hmm. you know, and such a great perspective of how our thoughts we do, we can, we can't have um, authority over them. Um, And I believe as somebody who was raised um, Christian and would very much still be in the faith to an extent, um, we do have power and authority over our thoughts. And that does come through the higher power. Um, That's getting a little into the mystical side, I think. (laughs) But um, You know, I think for me as someone, this is the metaphor I thought of as, I'm very dependent on a, uh, a map app, you know, Google maps, um, iPhone maps, and you know, somebody will start telling me, oh, well, take 64 and get off on, and I literally blank. I'm like, I'm yeah. not listening to anything you say. I'm going to plug it into my app and do what it says. Um, but there's this thing that happens, I've, I've mastered the Google map thing of I'm <laughs> the Google map, but there's this thing that happens when I start walking with one, I will immediately, I can't follow directions, probably because I'm used to driving, And I think there's this time where, you know, I really can depend on this Google map that is very dependable, but there comes a point and I, and I know it when I'm like, all right, I need to look up and use my senses and take a look around and really trust myself to get where I need to be. And I think that's for me, the perfect metaphor for really being able to, you know, allow things to direct you. And there are certain forces outside of you that are helpful. The universe does have your back. God does have your back. The higher power does have your back. But at the end of the day, that what you're talking about, Megan, that gut, that heart, that solar plexus, it will lead you and it is there to help you. And it is, I believe, given to you for that purpose. So, you know, there does come that time where you look up from the other things and you can trust yourself and your senses.
0: You know, that's so... Profound and yet funny what you were saying about Google Maps theory because I have relatives who visit New York City who are used to driving and um, They'll plug in my home address to come visit me and in New York a lot of streets are one-way streets so mm-hmm. What will happen is their Google Maps will be set to driving instructions not walking instructions and so folks who are used to driving and the Google map is set on the driving setting. They will be circling the block, going, uh, you know, up and down one-way streets and not feeling like they can cross the street. And I will have to exit and go find them. <laughs> they have to drop a pen and I have to go rescue them. Oh, and my they, God. Yeah. They're they like, you know, within two minutes of me for 30 minutes. And like they, yeah. they, 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 they can't seem to cross the street because the Google maps will not tell them to. Um, you know, so... What really struck me, Reed, you know, and I i certainly have benefited a lot from religion and um, found my spirituality through a lot of religious practices. So I have a great um, inspiration, um, admiration for, for that role in my life. I went to a Christian high school for a year and a half, won the Bible award. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but on the topic of... Um, Authority Is the voice of authority external to you and a God that lives outside of you or is it inside of you with the divine, your gut, your instinct? And, and what does it mean to capture your thoughts and renew your mind and all of that? Um, And of course, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within, within us. Mm -hmm. I think what all of this is about is um, the opportunity to no longer be subjected to a victim mindset. When authority is always external to you, you're always in the role of victim. Mm -hmm. When you always have to believe whatever thought pops into your head You're in the role of victim. And so the true path to empowerment is recognizing that you're not a victim. um, You're not subject to circumstances. You're not subjected to a God who is um, playing some sort of marionette puppetry with your life and that you're just subjected to plagues. But that when you realize you're the author of your thoughts and you're also the uh, the one in the driver's seat um, with your awareness and your consciousness and your divine wisdom. You have more power than you realize. You have more power than you exercise. The GPS lives within you. Right. Um, and that's the, the smartest thing you can ever do is to tune into that. But you can only do that when you... Tune out of your thoughts, and it, meditation and mindfulness is not about not having thoughts. It's about disidentification with those thoughts. It's about being aware that you're having the thoughts, and the same thing is true for emotions. It's not that you're not feeling; it's being coming aware that you have feelings of of fear um, and things of that nature. So, it's all of these things allows us to no longer be victims. Um, and you said, Reed, that the universe has your back. What I've experienced, and I don't know if it's true, but it feels true for me, is that the universe has my back, but the universe meets me halfway. So if I move an inch, the universe, God, all of that, you know, moves towards me an inch, so to speak. I mean, obviously, these are not scientific measurements here. <laughs> so again, the. The wonderful thing about mindfulness and becoming aware of your thoughts and no longer being in a victim mindset, but being able to be the authority in your life is it gives you the power at any moment of any day to take action, to change your thoughts, to change your feelings. And when you do that, it allows the universe to meet you halfway. So you are one half of the equation. You're a partner in this dance. And When we make the voice of authority outside ourselves, whether that's from literature and educational materials or the, you know, uh, perpetual parent, uh, teacher, boss, whatever, we are robbing ourselves the opportunity of taking the steps, half the dance, half the action that allows the universe to meet us halfway we have the choice what that halfway looks like right
2: love the idea of that halfway i think it translates to kind of what we were talking about with support um a few weeks ago and thinking about how if you give you know something out to others like you will get it back um and i think this is kind of like if you put these positive thoughts out there um you know, it's like when you're manifesting, I don't know if you guys have heard of that term, if you think positively and you oh, say, <laughs> you say, okay, today I'm going to do this, or today's going you know, to be a good day, this is going to happen. I mean, you do need to take steps in order to do that, but there is kind of a power in saying, oh, I think this is going to, like having a positive outlook and taking control of it that way. But at the same time, it is, you do have to kind of give a little in order to get a little. Um, you can't just sit and hope that good things will come to you um good things can but I think what you're saying Megan is really true you do have to put in the effort um in order to get there
1: I think Zoe what stood out to me was you know this this loop you that was so profound and uh relatable to me you know being negative about negative thoughts (laughs) getting down (laughs) on yourself for having negative thoughts and something that's I'm very passionate about currently is Being kind to yourself this is something that so many wonderful especially women I've noticed have written about this idea of just being kind to yourself and not being so hard on yourself Um, for me that's the ultimate compassion and it's where compassion and empathy starts and for me I think I have to be honest you know I we say things like you know respecting your inner authority and learning to trust your inner authority I think in my practice, in my experience, there have been times where I've been very disappointed in my own decisions or what I thought were good choices, or, you know, I was listening to my own inner authority. Example, you know, oh, I think it'll be great to go ahead and wait the two weeks to get my passport, you know, when I can go in and get it the same day. Oh, that'll be much better than, you know, possibly getting lost in the mail or whatever. And then just immediately being like, oh, this was so dumb. Oh my gosh. And you know, in this moment, it's easy for that faith or that um, that belief in your own inner authority to be shaken and to really be hard on yourself. And, you know, for me, it's a little bit more specifically to shame. You know, negative emotions can be a myriad of things or negative thoughts can be a myriad of things. But for me, it's really shame. And um, moments when I trusted myself and it fell through and then it's immediate shame. And my thought or my my conversation with myself is immediately, why should you trust yourself again? when you're, you trusting yourself brought you here. Um, and I think the remedy to that and my response to that is that we accept C pluses as well as A pluses, which is what I said. That might be my new tagline. And <laughs> you know, this process of learning to respect your own inner authority, it's a process. And you know there are gonna be times where you know, wires are crossed and you, know, you think you're doing what's best for yourself and you think you're following your gut and you make a mistake. And that does not mean that your inner authority is not dependable. It does not mean that the universe is out to get you or that things are gonna be difficult. I'm somebody who um, overestimates the problem. And um, just recently this week with this whole passport debacle, man, be looking for my book just on that. (laughs) Um, You know, I've learned to be kind and compassionate to even my own inner authority and realizing that there's some, some things that we don't know yet. And I'm I'm not going to give up on this process of tuning in to my own inner voice just because there's, there've been some bumps along the way.
0: Well, I heard in a podcast just this day, um, Gary Zukav was talking to mystic Oprah and he said that um, the universe doesn't, there's no failing in life because the universe doesn't hand out grades. Although I do keep the tagline read, <laughs> we accept C pluses. And um, that, in terms of your own soul's unfolding, your own conscious evolution and growing, that that can happen, um, that that happens through failures or successes. What if you classically fail? life will use that for your soul to unfold, or if you classically succeed, life will use that to teach the same method. And so when it gets right down to it, you might be thinking, well, how do I, um, I just want to learn from successes, that that would be nice. Um, and that kind of also comes back to this idea of being attached to Thoughts because suffering only exists when you're attached to a thought. I mean, another person might have had your very same experiences and thought, wow, I am someone who made the impossible happen. I am someone who was able to accomplish getting my passport in 72 hours without a life or death reason. That's pretty impressive. So the suffering comes from the attachment of the thoughts, and only that.
1: Right, and I think the attachment of thoughts from others too. As a very intuitive person, I'm currently working on not making assumptions. <laughs> I've read the Four Agreements recently; highly recommend it. Read it; a, I've already read it a few times this year. Really working on not making assumptions, but as an intuitive person, it's difficult. You have these own thoughts, and it's very easy to pick up on, you know, assu- uh, others' perceptions and you know comments or whatever. And I think the what we spoke about today about not being attached to your own thoughts comes to come also applies to other people's thoughts about you you know the small comments that as a sensitive person can just derail you like wow you know fill in the blank and i'm sure megan you know as a woman and who has had an ex- uh, a wonderful career and you know now a mother i feel like both of those things a woman in the workforce a woman a mother. I feel like those are probably the two biggest things right in the world where you get a lot of opinions um, and a lot of passive comments about the job you're doing, how you're doing. Is that, I mean, that's what I w- would think. Has that been your experience? Do you feel like you get a lot of commentary, whether inward or outward?
0: Well, I, I do believe I did, but I've, I've always kind of put myself in situations where I could minimize the noise. So, yeah. um, I do, I, first of all, I've worked with mostly men in finance and so men are less vocal with their opinions. That's a generalization, but there wasn't a lot. And so when a coworker or guy would make, um, would voice an opinion about me and my work ethic, which was, Really intense, um, my work ethic that is I, I remember being really surprised and taken aback, but even flattered and so you know I think i've always taken some of those professional opinions with a grain of of salt um, and then, as a mother i'm with a non speaking twenty one month old so <laughs> i don't have a lot of commentary and i I I was living on the Upper East Side for about 10 years and I loved it. And I felt some of the social pressure of clubs and nursery schools and strollers and apartment sizes. And I felt I was feeling some of that pressure and I didn't feel like it was something that I could live up to or compete with or wanted to engage with. So I, I moved downtown to the former artist colony of Soho where I'm surrounded by people who don't even notice I have a child in my arms um, who could care less. And so I've, I've always, you know, been a little bit outside the box, very much outside the box. My life's always been that way. And I think sometimes I put myself in those situations. So I don't have a lot of opinions when I have felt them or since them. I think I've quickly moved and relocated in a, in a sense. Um, I don't know. How about you, Zoe? The opinions, voices, the, having to deal with the mind of other people. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest problem for me has been my expectations for
2: others. I'll like, I find myself saying something or suggesting something because I want to hear something back from others. I want a certain, it's a lot of reassurance. I think, I think, um, I'll tend to underestimate myself or say something kind of discouraging, like undersell myself and be like, Oh, I'm not sure this is so great because I want to hear someone else reassure me and say, no, this is great. Um, and I think this goes along with kind of what Reed was saying about, you know, being intuitive and kind of understanding what other people are feeling. Um, when you have expectations for others, if they don't follow through, um, on exactly what you wanna do, that can be upsetting. But at the same time, I think something that you've talked about, Megan, in the BSPAR content is we have to be open to all outcomes and kind of anything that's possible because there may be something that is positive that we weren't even thinking of um, and will open a totally other door for us if we're constrained kind of to our own thoughts and expectations, we limit ourselves in our interactions and in what we can do with others.
1: Absolutely. I'm curious what you think, Zoe, about, or, and Megan too, that kitschy phrase, the, you know, others' opinions about you has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Do you, how do you react to that?
2: It's hard because sometimes I think others' opinions can be helpful. Um, I don't think they should rule all. I definitely don't want someone's opinion to kind of take over what I think myself, but I think a lot like, I'm in these creative writing like workshop classes and everyone shares their opinion on something like creative writing is very personal. Um, It's an art form, I think. Um, And I think getting others opinions, even if I disagree with them, is helpful in some way because you're writing something for an audience and they're an audience. So you want to hear what they think. Um, I think generally others, other people's opinions don't rule all, should be perhaps taken into account, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I guess I have kind of a gray answer. I think if yeah. it's something negative, I don't want to really hear that and let it control my life. But at the same time, maybe think about why that person is saying it and where it's coming from.
0: Well, the key is like with your own thoughts. The thoughts with others is disidentification. Mm. So I love feedback. I solicit feedback, and we—that's a big part of our collaboration. Content feedback is great, but I. Oh, I believe in the adage that someone's opinion of you has everything to do with their the uh, how they view themselves, their own I like opinion.
1: Better. I think I like that one a bit better. You
0: and too. it's 100% true. I mean, the way they deliver it, what they think, how they feel, its it's all a reflection of their experience. So how do you use feedback and make it valuable without being, you know, hurt and injured by people who are unkind or what have you? Whether it's great feedback or negative feedback, the disidentification with it, just like with your own thoughts, is the key. That gives you the freedom to learn and grow, but also knowing that what they've said and how they've said it has to do more with them, has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you.
1: I think that reminds me of Hillary, or no, I believe it was Chelsea Clinton said that the best advice she received from her mother was to take serious criticism from serious people seriously and unserious criticism from unserious people unseriously which i think goes along with this this idea of really kind of filtering you know if it's just kind of chatter or uh unthoughtful criticism or commentary it's, it shouldn't really make it into the inbox it should probably be thrown out with the five dollar off bath and body works coupons it doesn't really need to be considered or sorted
0: Well, I think that's hard because then you're throwing out relatives. (laughs) Um, And and I think all feedback is valuable, even if it's wrong and horrible. I think it's all interesting. I think to be disidentified with it, whatever it is, gives you that freedom. Um, Because we're constantly getting feedback, even on social media, likes, not likes. Is it valid? Is it not valid? How do you know? How do you quantify it? I think you just have to throw it in this big bucket of it's about them but I can learn and grow from it and that's what I care about um and that's not painful
1: I like that yeah I mean for sure and there are certain people I think namely you Megan and now you Zoe yeah. now that we've gotten to know each other better that I think they're you, the commentary while I would still not associate so strongly with any thing you would have to say about me because honestly that's the ego right anything that has to do with you is suddenly in a trophy box. It's just, Oh, this is so precious to me. My, you know, this is about me. Honestly, you can take, I I would respect what you would say, but it would be something that that I would hold in my hands and not necessarily idolize or obsess over. I would hope now that I've grown through this podcast series.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The ego isn't just vanity as Eckhart Tolle talks about in his books. Um, The ego is just identification with any form. Hmm. I am blonde. I am brunette with blonde highlights. <laughs> I am whatever. It's identification with any form. So, and the reason, um, and, and what that does is that isolates, that separates ego, identification with form, thought, emotion, with consciousness, the awareness of that thought or form. And the idea is that the consciousness is what is everlasting about you. It is what is pure and filled with peace and strength. And it is, it is perfection. It is you that doesn't need anything because you are, um, perfect. And if that's true of you, it's true of everyone. Um, and therefore all of us do have that divine within. And, um, you know, if we take it back to leadership and, and empowering women, um, mindfulness or becoming aware of your thoughts and emotions and not a slave to them and aware of other people's thoughts and emotions and not a slave to them allows you to step out of the victim mindset it allows you to um, be in the driver's seat of your life and when you do that the universe can meet you halfway i think we're in this paradox of free will and predestination and it requires both action on our part as well as um divine intervention and I, I think it's a dance
1: who was it i think sorry i'm obsessed with elizabeth gilbert right now <laughs> i think it was her that said you know we're riding where we have one foot on two different we have both of our feet on two different horses and we're riding them and one is fate and predestination the other is uh free will and choices and that's okay i think it's just becoming mindful of which is which and not trying to control one that you have no control over and putting so much energy into that Um, and being mindful of the ones that you can, uh, you do have a little bit more control over.
0: Right, and the prison is doing the opposite. It's worrying about what you can't control and giving up the power you do have. Yeah. But no more.
1: (laughs) Ending that. Yeah, this has been another another great conversation. And I think another um, poignant and timely one for myself. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure. I don't know. I feel like that would be the same for you, Zoe. Am I projecting <laughs> that onto you?
2: <laughs> no, I think, I think that I totally accept that. I, maybe I take it as a compliment, like maybe my life is busy or something. I don't know. I guess I yeah. see productivity with something being and busyness Um, yeah I think it definitely comes at a I think the fall is always a transitional time for a lot of people or a lot of people are trying new things maybe that's because I've been on an academic schedule for so much of my life but I definitely think going forward I'm going to start thinking about my thoughts and trying to dissociate and kind of disidentify with negative thoughts and start kind of focusing on the positive.
1: Wonderful I'm looking forward to it. You'll have to report back to uh, to us about that one too. Next, yes. Whenever we record next, how that's Yes. Going.
2: And I'll definitely I, be sharing it with my stressed out friends as well. We'll see yeah. how we all do.
1: <laughs> yes. I can't imagine with writing a thesis and all of that. Also doing the work of becoming mindful. <laughs> well, I think this is a great discussion. I'm looking forward to our next uh, recording. Um, any final thoughts from anyone? The ego? anyone's ego have anything
0: i have no thoughts
1: then i think we can consider this a success
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you both
1: thank you guys see you next time
0: bye you've been listening to the be smart podcast providing you mentorship when and where you need it for more information on this series, to watch the masterclass video, read the mentorship notes, or fill out the BeSmart workbook, visit BeSmartGuide.com mentorship to start your seven-day free trial. And if you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. See you next week.